So on the list of, uh, the extensive list of my personal issues and flaws, uh, I realized recently that on top of everything else, I spend way too much time on YouTube and Netflix. Can I get an amen from the other streaming addicts in the house? Thank you, that's cool. Um, and so there was this thing that dropped on Netflix about a month or so ago that quickly became a cultural phenomenon. It's a Korean show some of you have never heard of called Squid Games. Um, now, right off the bat, I cannot recommend that you watch this show, all right? This one's not for everybody. It's definitely not for the faint of heart, but there is one iconic, traumatizing scene in episode six uh, that has become infamous on the internet, and it's a scene involving these two guys. So this is the trusting, way too nice Ali on the left side, and that right there is a two-faced, no good son of a so-and-so named Chang, uh, 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 excuse me, Cho Song-woo on the right side. So if you've seen this show, you immediately know what's up with these guys, but if you haven't seen the show, Rather than me explaining it to you, let's do it like this. A few years ago, Disney Pixar put out a movie called Frozen that I'm sure some of you have also never seen or heard of, right? <laughs> and in Frozen, there's a pivotal scene toward the end uh, of the movie involving these two people, right? So this is uh, Anna, she's one of the, uh, the protagonist sisters on the left, and that is Prince Hans, the wonderful, dashing, what a nice young man who turns out to be the backstabbing villain of the movie the whole time. Remember, spoilers for a movie that came out in like 2015 or something, right? The moral of the story is you really shouldn't marry somebody that you just met. And if that reference, for some reason, is still going over some of your heads, let's go all the way back to the old school, the golden age, the Lion King, all right? <laughs> and for the record, I'm talking about like the OG animated Lion King and not like the new school CGI like Snorefest one, all right? <laughs> you remember these guys? Yep. Poor Simba. <laughs> so trusting. So clueless, taking terrible advice from his uncle Scar. Oh, that's an elephant graveyard. You don't want to go there. The worst ones are always in your family, right? All right, so, okay, so, so you get it now, right? Like a picture's worth a thousand words. I don't even have to explain that Squid Game thing to you now because if you know these other stories, you can kind of guess what happens here. One of these characters deceives and completely wrecks the other one. Now, what do these three characters have in common? Well, besides being unscrupulous, horrible human beings, or like lions or whatever, um, <laughs> these guys are all manipulators. They use lies and deception in order to make things really difficult for the main character. And it's interesting to me that villains, manipulators, are so much fun to watch on the screen. But in real life, people like that are no fun at all. Manipulators can be some of the most exhausting, frustrating, damaging people in our lives. And this morning we're wrapping up this difficult people series, like Chad said. Last week he was preaching about the extra grace required people, right? And then a couple weeks ago Daniel was preaching on the downers. So this week I am talking about the manipulators. These are the people in your life that won't say it to your face, you know, but they'll say it behind your back all day long. We find these people in your jobs, 
people that do really shady, uncool stuff to get ahead, you know? We find these people in our schools, high school, college, whatever. You think they're your buddies, you think that they have your back, and in real life they're probably just using you for like money and homework and rides. We find these people in our families. Everybody just survived another Thanksgiving. Congratulations. <laughs> our families can have manipulators, people who are always stirring the pot, always switching sides, always in everybody's business. And I hate to say it, but we can't talk about manipulators without talking about the church. Because how many know that there are Christians, some of us church folks, even church leaders, can be some of the most scheming, two-faced manipulators around. And in a room this size, I know that there are some of you out there or who are listening to me online right now, and you might have walked away from church completely for a while. Not because of God, because of God's people. So today I want to get really honest and really practical, and I want to talk about how to identify a manipulator in your life how to combat their schemes, and what God says about people who use lies and deception to victimize people. Spoiler alert, he's not down with it at all. So let's dig into this and see if we can end this difficult people series with a bang. If you're ready to say, let's go. Thank you. So let's get a couple things straight. If you just type the word manipulate into Google, for a definition, then you're gonna get something like this. Can you guys see that? Can you read that all right? Is that coming through? So number one, it says to handle or control as a tool or a mechanism. So think like a carpenter or a handyman or something using a tool, typically in a skillful manner. That's important, we'll come back to that in a second. Number two, it says to control or influence as a person or a situation cleverly, unfairly, and unscrupulously. And there's a couple of synonyms down here. If you look at where it says similar, you see words like exploit. You've got influence. And at the end over there, you've got the word maneuver. Um, so I went an, an extra step further when I typed the word manipulate into the Merriam-Webster dictionary.com, basically. And we got this. So look down at number two. It says 2A, to manage or utilize skillfully. Or letter B is the one that we're talking about, to control or play upon by artful, unfair, or insidious means, especially to one's own advantage. So based on these definitions, we see a couple of things right off the bat. Number one, when you are manipulating someone, you are dehumanizing them, okay? You're turning them into a, a thing, into a tool, into a chess piece that you can kind of use for your own ends. There's also an element of unfairness to it. You know, you're using uh, previously built up trust in that relationship, or maybe you're, you're leveraging some kind of knowledge that the other person doesn't have. It's unfair. You're taking advantage of somebody. Again, think about the, the three uh, characters that we had on the screen a minute ago, uh, Uncle Scar and Prince Hans and uh, Song Wu. Each of those people in those stories used a previously established relationship with their victim uh, to kind of spin them. The last thing is in these definitions that we looked at, there's a component of skill and cunning. Again, just think of a handyman who's using a hammer or a, or a musician who's using like a guitar pick or a pair of drumsticks. Um, when you manipulate somebody, you have to know what you're doing, right? You have to know kind of what buttons to press and, and kind of where to get at them. So that made me think, okay, well you have to be 
pretty smart to manipulate people, right? Like, it's, it doesn't seem like something that stupid people can do. But that's not true. I think all of you, if you really try, you can probably think of somebody that might not have been the brightest crayon in the box, but nevertheless could use fear and, and emotional manipulation to kind of keep people under their thumb. Anybody that knows the right buttons can press can do this stuff. So based on all of that, the definition that I kind of put together for manipulate, so this is kind of my, this is kind of like the, the Gary dictionary definition, the dictionary, if you will. This is what I came up with. To unfairly and unjustly control, influence, or warp the thoughts and behaviors of others through lies, distortion of facts, or the withholding of information for one's own personal gain. You know anybody like that? Who are the manipulators? Who are the scars, the Prince Hanses in your life? Who's pretending to be your friend to use you as a resource? Where do we find manipulators? Well, first we find them in our jobs. We talked about that a minute ago. These are people that like to take credit for work they didn't do, you know, who throw other people under the bus whenever it suits them. They seem to be one way during the big meetings with like the partners and the CEOs and people, but they're completely different during the normal work day. They're just not trustworthy. You can find manipulators in your school, your classmates, maybe your roommates, maybe just friends of friends, you know, kind of in your friend circle, but they pretend to be everybody's friend, right? They seem so chill and so fun to be around, you almost forget that something's wrong. But there was that one time that you told them something in confidence. Remember what happened? Or maybe you, maybe you counted on them for something. Maybe you, you took a risk, you know, you put something on the line and you needed them to show up for you. And what happened? They have a way of getting exactly what they want, what they need from other people. But when you are in trouble, when you need something, they are nowhere to be found. We find manipulators in our families. Amen. Always got something to say, always pushing people's buttons, always switching sides, and they're quick to bring up old stuff, right? They'll pull something up in an argument from like years ago, right? Everybody else has moved on, but no. Some of you listening to me right now grew up in homes where somebody, either a dad or a mom or somebody, was controlling the whole house through violence or threats, through shame and guilt, or through these volatile emotional tantrums that everybody had to kind of tiptoe around. We find manipulators in the church. People who claim to love the Lord, people who claim to be about God's business, and man, they are, they are committed to God's business, no matter what it takes. It just so happens that God's business is whatever they think should be happening. The programs that they support, the carpet and the furniture and the decorations that they like the most, the people that they think should be serving. It's a sad, shameful truth, but we find manipulators sometimes in the church. Not this church, though. I'm talking about those churches out there. <laughs> Not you guys. Everybody in here is cool. I'm talking about those people. 
The last place that we find manipulators in our dating relationships. I hope you're not dating one of these people. I hope you're not engaged. I hope you're not married to a manipulator. You say, well, Gary, how do I know if I am? How do we spot a manipulator? I'm so glad you asked. I did some research just for you. Let's play how to spot a manipulator. You ready? Number one, they cast confusion and doubt. They cast confusion and doubt. When you talk to a certain person, does your confidence and your sense of identity and clarity of thought get kind of fuzzy? When you're interacting with somebody, do you end up feeling confused and conflicted about things that you felt like you were pretty sure about when you got there? Is there something about this person that causes your judgment and your moral compass to get a little weird? Manipulators cast confusion and doubt. And remember, the devil, you know, Satan, our enemy, I call him he who must not be underestimated, is called the father of lies in the Bible. And if you believe what the Bible teaches, then every single thing that is wrong in this world started with the devil pulling two clueless human beings aside and going, did God really say that? Friends, if you tend to walk into a conversation with somebody being all right, and you tend to walk out of those conversations kind of not knowing which way is up, watch it. Watch it. Number two, they're skilled at guilt tripping. They're good at guilt tripping. Guilt is a very powerful, motivating emotion because guilty people are easy to control, right? When you feel guilty, you tend to kind of do whatever you're told in order to kind of redeem yourself. And again, I don't want to keep like harping on religious people, but like religion is really good for guilting. Some of y'all been there, done that, and bought the whole gift shop, right? Religion is a great tool for making people feel guilty. That's why it's so important for you, listen to me, to get to know Jesus for yourself. The wonderful truth of being a Christ follower is that it's not about having a religion. It's about having a relationship. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Number three, they take advantage of your kindness. They take advantage of the kindness of others. They exploit their goodwill and generosity and rarely offer anything in return. Number four, they spread false information. <laughs> Controlling and shaping people's perceptions for their own benefit. Yeah, let me just move on. Number five, they never accept blame. You know that taking responsibility for stuff is like a sign of maturity and integrity? For manipulators, it's always somebody else's fault. In fact, a lot of times they like to play the victim. Number six, they are two-faced. They're skilled at presenting themselves one way when in reality they are something else. Number seven, they straight up lie. They deny facts and tack the integrity of other people and twist people's words, again, to cast confusion and doubt. Number eight, they normalize their behavior. They make what they're doing look normal. Everybody behaves this way. Everybody talks like this. It's fine. No big deal. And number nine, they cast fear and anxiety, playing on people's uncertainties 
and emotions rather than relying on reason and logic. Friends, when anybody acts like this, be they a family member, be they your boss, be they a teacher, a, a pastor, a police officer, a politician, or the king and queen themselves, when anybody does this stuff, regardless of how many people they have in their corner, regardless of whether they get away with it or not, listen to me, they are violating the laws and the character of God. And here's why. Because God is a God of truth. Let the church say amen. God is a God of integrity, clarity, and righteousness. You cannot read the Bible to study the character of God and not come to that conclusion. But you know what? Just like LeVar Burton used to say back in the day, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Let's look at the Bible, starting at Psalm chapter 34. And it says this, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Here's John chapter 16, starting at verse 13. But when he, the, you know what? Let's do this. From now on, whenever we hit the word truth in one of these verses, I want you guys to call it out real loud. Can we do that? Can we do that? When you see truth, I want you to holler back. So here we go. This is John 16, talking about the Holy Spirit now. It says, but when he, the spirit of what? Truth. Comes, he will guide you into all the what? Truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This is Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. One more. This is Jeremiah chapter 9. This is one of my all-time favorite Bible verses. Go memorize this right now. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Check it out. But let the one who boasts boast about this that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Let the church say amen. amen. God is a God of truth, honor, truthfulness, and justice are the foundations of God's character. That's what it means to be holy. God always tells the truth. God always does what's right. And because of that, God's people must also be people of integrity. For us church people, here's a couple of verses that are aimed squarely at us. Let's start at Ephesians chapter 4. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak what? To your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Here's 2 Corinthians 4. It says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the what? Plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's consciousness in the sight of God. Now look, every one of those Bible verses I just read has a certain context, right? Like they, they exist in a certain uh, place within the sort of larger narrative of the Bible. Context is important. 
But what I'm trying to get you guys to understand right now is that Christians are not supposed to manipulate people. People are not supposed to manipulate other people. Why? Because God is a God of truth. Let the church say, praise the Lord. Let the church say, praise the Lord. God is a God of truth. It's good news today. Lies and deception are not of God. Lies and deception are for the other team. You hear me? Clouding the truth, casting doubt and confusion, spreading false information and wielding distortion and fear as weapons are not of God. That stuff is all tactics for the other side. And I say again, when anybody does this stuff, they're making themselves an enemy of God. If you're with me, say believe it. Manipulation is also wrong because, as we said earlier, you are dehumanizing someone. You are treating someone less like a, a, a person made in the image of God, right, with inherent transcendent value, and you are turning them into a chess piece. You're turning them into a thing that you can use for your own ends. <laughs> now, there's one more aspect to all this because uh, some of y'all have been sitting there listening to me talk for the last 20 minutes or whatever, and you've been thinking, well, gee, I, I don't think I know anybody like that. I, I, I don't have anybody in my life like that. Can't think of anybody. Nope. Well, is it you? <laughs> is it possible that it's you? Are you sure it's not you? I hope it's not you, because look, if it's you treating people like this, if you're the one using all these tactics I just listed to get what you want from people. If that's you, if you're listening to me wherever you are right now, I'm going to love you enough in Christ to let you have this. Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. If you can't say amen, say uh-oh. <laughs> Let's do another one. Jeremiah chapter 17. It says, I the Lord... Search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Last one, Luke 17, I believe. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If you are gifted with the ability to influence other people, that talent was not given to you for your own amusement, to build your kingdom, to spread your greatness. With great power comes great responsibility. Sooner or later, it all goes back to Spider-Man. You are on the hook for how you use your gifts, amen? And if you are using your talent for influencing people to take advantage of them, consider this your wake-up call. God is not laughing. God is not amused. God says you're on the wrong side. Repent. Turn around. Make some changes. Let us know how we can help. We're here. 
But what about the rest of us? How are we supposed to deal with manipulators? We've talked about what manipulation is. We talked about why it's wrong and how to identify it. But like, what are we supposed to do? How do we resist manipulators? Number one, call them out. Call it out. If you've identified who these people are in your life, the next time this happens to you, or maybe you're, if you're talking to somebody later this week and like the light bulb comes on and you're like, oh my gosh, this person's trying to play me. Call it out right then and there. I don't think you're telling me the truth. I don't think that's right. That doesn't sound true to me. That doesn't feel right to me. That's not what I heard. That's not what I know. Where are you getting that from? What are you basing that on? There is a way that you can politely and respectfully, but firmly call somebody out if you think they're trying to spin your wheels. And look, if that thought like terrifies you, you know, if you're just not like the kind of person who can do like a, a, a confrontation like that, here's another idea. Just walk away. Don't engage. Excuse yourself from the conversation and don't engage. Number two, don't engage slash don't play their game. People who like to play word games are probably better at it than you. And the longer you talk to them, the greater the chance that they're going to be able to cloud doubt and confusion in your mind. So just don't engage. Just walk away from the conversation. It might not be a long-term solution. You know, you might need to have it out with this person at some point, but you can take time to think through that and, and prepare for that on your terms. Maybe do that with somebody else, right? But right then and there in the moment, just don't engage. I know somebody who, who does this really well now, check it out, by not responding to her mom's text messages, right? Like, this person's an adult, she's living her life, she's doing her thing, um, and sometimes her mom will text her with these little questions and these little suggestions that like she's learned to recognize as bait, you know? And so she just doesn't respond because she's learned that anything she says in response even if it's just like, mom, can you please leave that alone? Or no, I can't do that, and here's why. Or mom, this article you just linked me to is bonkers. Please don't send me this stuff. Hello. She's learned by years of hard experience that literally anything she says, her mom's gonna say this, and then this is gonna happen, and she's gonna get roped into a whole thing, and next thing you know, like the whole next hour of her life is gone, right? So she just doesn't respond. It might seem harsh to some, it might seem disrespectful to some, but how many of y'all know that for the sake of your like mental health, sometimes you just gotta walk away, you know? Don't play a manipulator's game. You don't always have to respond, especially online. Do you guys know that? Do you even know that you don't always have to respond? Do you know that? If somebody texts you, right? If somebody texts you or, or messages you something online or like, like write something on your thread, you don't actually have to respond. Amen. <laughs> One person gets it. You can, even, you can even turn the conversation off. You know that? Depending on like what, what like technology you're using, you can just mute that person. Boop, gone. Don't play a manipulator's game. Just walk away. There's, a, there's an old movie called War Games from the 1980s. And I love this quote at the end of this movie. It says this, the only winning move is not to play. Some of y'all need to hear that today. So resisting manipulators, we can call them out. 
when someone is trying to deceive or influence you. Avoid playing their game if you can, but if you can't, stand your ground. Number three, stand your ground. Set your limits, set healthy boundaries, and stick to them. I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. Or I don't want to go with you guys. It sounds like a bad idea. I'm, I'm going to talk to these people and see what they say what happened. Thanks for your input. I'm going to do my own research on that. I'll get back to you. Or in the extreme cases, I don't have to explain myself to you. I said no. I don't owe you anything. Figure it out yourself. That's not what God says. That's not who I know God to be. Stand your ground. Know your limits. Set some boundaries. And don't let somebody talk you into something you're not comfortable doing. Now look, at this point I realize I'm getting into a whole like, this is like conflict management stuff, okay? That's not easy stuff. I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean to make it sound easy. So you might need to read some books. You might need to get some advice. You might need to get some counseling on how to navigate those relationships. But even so, you don't have to, to put up with people trying to play you. God is too good for that. He's done too much for all of us. And now I recognize that depending on who the manipulator is in your life, you may have limited ability to do some of this, right? Like if the manipulator is your parent or is your boss or is like an older member of your family, you may not be able to, to respond the way that you want to. I get that. Gauge the situation, gauge your options, and find an appropriate response. You don't have to stand for somebody trying to manipulate you. God is a God of truth. And God is a God of freedom. One last verse and I'm done. This is Galatians chapter 5. It says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Guys, God is too good. He loves you too much. And he has done too much on your behalf to let somebody bully you, mislead you, and dare I say enslave you with lies and intimidation and guilt. There are real-life supervillains in the world. They might not be as obvious as the ones that we had up a little earlier, but they can be just as destructive. God loves you. Christ died for you. You don't have to put up with people trying to manipulate you. God is too good for that. We hope that this Difficult People series has been a blessing to you. We hope that it's been fun. We hope that it's been an encouragement. Um, and where appropriate, we hope that it's been a warning. God has done great things for all of us. And he's just getting started. So let's walk forward together learning how to love people, everybody, like Jesus did. The ones who are easy to love, the ones who are not so easy, and the ones who are downright difficult. Amen?